You're listening to my very special guest, composer, arranger, educator, and award-winning pianist, Amanda Tosoff. Amanda's an all-around amazing person who's recorded six albums and teaches jazz and piano at Humber University in Canada and has played with some of the best jazz musicians up there in Canada as well as all over. Amanda embodies all things playful. She's funny, witty, talented, and was just a pure joy to speak with. We talked a lot about writing for lyrics, which is a newish experience for her, and the challenge and excitement of putting music to words already written. We also talked a lot about her passion for teaching and collaboration, as she strives to bring out the playfulness and joy of not only her students, but anyone she works with. So please enjoy this conversation with Amanda Tosoff. the Playful Musician. I'm your host, Steve Davidson. Each week, I sit down with musicians from all different paths, from composers to conductors, percussionists to piccolo players, to tease out their strategies, practice habits, tips, tools, tricks, routines, and how they keep all of it playful. The Playful Musician is an intimate look into the lives of each musician, how they got to where they are, what motivates and inspires them, and what playing music means to them. If you'd like to learn more about the guests or just more about being playful, head on over to the website, theplayfulmusician.com. There you can find show notes, links to all references mentioned in the show, and all kinds of resources related to music. Thank you for listening, and please subscribe to The Playful Musician on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And while you're at it, why not leave a review as well? Thanks again, and without further ado... Here is this week's episode. Amanda, good morning. Thank you so much for being on The Playful Musician. Well, thanks for having me, Steve. Such a pleasure. Yeah. Ah, so you're in, are you in Toronto? I am. I'm in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Mm-hmm. And how how are things going there right now? Well, it's uh, we're still fairly locked down. I think just mm-hmm. recently patios have opened and some some outdoor music is happening, but we're still pretty locked down. Uh, vaccination is 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 happening for sure. So we're mm. you know there's light at the end of the tunnel, and I think th- I think things are going to start opening up. Um, I think I hope soon, but uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm definitely hopeful. Is there any uh, live music starting to happen or is it still not yet? Not a lot yet. I mean, there's been some outdoor, smaller um, performances, but no in, you know, in venue performances mm-hmm. yet. So we're waiting. You, we're waiting. <laughs> Have you done any any live performances this year? Uh, not since last September, one of the main jazz clubs here in Toronto, the Rex Hotel, which is just a, it's been around for ages. They did open up, 
briefly for some live shows, some socially distant shows, and it mm. was amazing to play. Mm. Um, but unfortunately, they ha they closed everything down. Uh, I think in December, and it's been pretty closed since. So, right. Yeah. Right. And how how are you doing? How is this? How have you managed through the last twelve months? I mean, you released. You released an album during this time. You've done a lot, but personally, like, how are you? How has this been for you? Well, <laughs> I think like everyone else in the world, it's been a, a time of uh, a lot of upheaval for sure. Mm. Um, you know, I think at the beginning of things, you know, I, like everyone else, I, a lot of musicians, I, I lost everything that was on the books. Uh, mm -hmm. I have, I had some dedicated students who canceled because of, of COVID and I, I literally had nothing in my calendar and I was extremely stressed out like so many musicians, freelancers would be. Um, but you know, over that last, uh, last summer, I, I, I transitioned to doing a lot of online teaching and doing some um, some live stream performances and just you know getting my tech skills in order and getting excited about some new projects. So mm -hmm. I you know I have to say at the beginning I was it was really stressful and then I just refocused my energy into what I could do and I feel like that really saved my mental health in, and in sure. a lot of ways. Um, and I, I felt like this year was really fruitful. I mean, obviously there's been so much uh, suffering and, and uh, yeah, so much happening this year that's been, mm. um, you know, horrible. But I think that there's also a lot of growth in so many ways. And I think that's been, I think there's a lot of positive things that are coming out of this for me, for sure. Mm. I'm feeling that. So I, I have to say, I feel really lucky to to uh, to look at it in an actually kind of a positive way, even though there's lots of negatives about yeah. it. So. How was it fruitful for you? Well, I ended up reconnecting with my, my, my good friend, Jody Prostick, who's a mm. lovely bassist uh, and composer and educator in, in Vancouver. And I actually, we go way back. Uh, we went to the same high school. Her dad mm. was my band teacher. Fun. So we go way back. And um, we played together when I used to live in Vancouver. And then we, we kind of lost touch, you know, uh, mm -hmm. when I moved to Toronto and we reconnected um, because of a, a video I did for an organization here, an educational video. And uh, we ended up forming an online education business and we've been doing webinars and meeting people from around the world and just having so much fun learning and growing uh, together. Mm. There's actually three of us at uh, the Francesca Fung uh, Jody Prozik and, and myself um, running this this uh, that's organization. The music arts, that's the Music Arts Collective. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's been. I mean, I've learned so much. It's been it's been fantastic. So we've been having a blast, and I think that kept me sane. I think this this last year. Yeah, your videos are super fun, and you um, you guys have a really good rapport together. We do. Yeah, we are, we, you know, it's funny. I mean, like I said, we, we, we know each other from, from way back, but I really got to know her this last year and we're like, we're like sisters. It's hilarious <laughs> for sure. That's awesome. It's awesome to have someone like that in your life that you have that history with. Yeah. And understanding and absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So whose idea was that? 
uh, or did it just spring out of conversations between the two of you or how did, how did that come about? Well, I think that both of us individually wanted to do some online, an online business of some sort. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I had I had my goals actually for 2020. <laughs> my 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 New Year's resolution. One of them was to start an educational YouTube channel, and so I think that was always something that both of us were sort of looking at doing. And then I think again this uh, this educational video that I did for Jazz YYC. Uh, she saw it and was like, oh, another great educator. Because it's, you know, I think being a musician, we're both uh, professional musicians and have released many CDs, uh, but we also love teaching. And I think that's kind of a unique combination sometimes because I think mm-hmm. not all musicians love teaching and not all teachers love performing. Right. So uh, anyway, we just kind of came together and and like, hey, do you want to, I loved your video. Do you want to start a business? <laughs> yeah. And then we had something to focus on. So um yeah, really we just, cool. and we, it kind of took COVID for us and us coming together for us to actually do it. So it was, it was mm-hmm. I don't think it would have come about it had COVID not happened. <laughs> yeah, so. an opportunity that sprung from that. That's really exactly. cool. And have you always, like, have, has teaching always been a part of your sphere? I mean, not every, I mean, you alluded to this, but I, I was, I see this all the time where, there's people that can perform and there's people that can teach and there's there's not many who can do both well mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I would uh, in my experience but I'm just curious has teaching always been a, a part of what you do yeah well it's funny because way back as a kid I I wanted to be a teacher that was like my my really? dream <laughs> yeah and when I started off with music school. I went, went to Capilano University in Vancouver, BC, and I had intended to become a band teacher because my experience in high school was just so positive and I mm. loved it and just saw myself doing that. And so I, actually getting into performance sort of just happened. <laughs> I met, I met uh, some great friends in college and they were all about performance. They didn't want to teach. They're like, I just want to play. And Mm. we ended up forming a band and I started writing music and I was like, this is fun. I want to do this. And I started booking (laughs) tours and being a band leader as well as teaching on the side, except I think, you know, when I finished college, I I more wanted to play than teach at that time. So Mm. I ended up kind of, you know, going into it thinking I'm going to be a teacher. And then, you know, I only want to be a player <laughs> and then mm-hmm. kind of, you know, coming back around and realizing they're really the same thing. It's all creative creativity. Yeah. Me. <clears throat> yeah. It's all creativity. And, um, uh, you know, for me, it, teaching is kind of like being a composer in a lot of ways. Mm. Like you're breaking down an idea. You're, you know, you're trying to communicate it in a logical and creative and engaging way. And for me, I think, that's the way my mind works. I'm very much a composer and I love organizing things. And I also really love feeding off the energy of another person. So for me, teaching and performing is really similar in a Mm. lot of ways. And I really love both those things. And so I think, uh, yeah, I, 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 I know a lot of musicians who don't consider themselves teachers or don't like it, but for me, it's, 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 I, I learned so much teaching and I just love, love it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Your video on reharmonization I thought was really phenomenal and you did a great job breaking it down 
like with the three the three places to start like that was uh that was great i i've i've not seen anybody you know do do it that way but it made so much sense and i was like oh this is great for for anybody who's never tried reharmonizing so you definitely have i'm definitely super talented in the way that you uh, present your material it's awesome Oh, well, that, that makes me so happy. <laughs> that was actually my very first video. So it's interesting to think that was the beginning of COVID. Mm -hmm. um, the first video I put together. And, and since then, it's amazing how things have developed. So I'll, I'll have to put another one out. <laughs> and you'll see, oh, it's even better. I hope. <laughs> how, do you, how do you guys come up with the topics? Or how, you know, do you have like a list that you brainstorm? Like, okay, here's things we want to teach. Or are you getting requests from people or how do you decide for these online videos what you're going to do well i think we've both been teaching for so long and doing workshops with you know all sorts of different ages and levels mm -hmm. that we sort of have an idea of the things that people struggle with uh, and we also have you know we've looked at what's out there and and maybe how we can um, frame it a little differently or mm. topics that we feel have been neglected and we should focus on. So we, we sort of, we just have an idea from years of experience, you know, where to start. But when we're brainstorming, it's, it's, it's amazing the ideas that we end up coming up with. When, like, I, and this is the first time I've actually collaborated with somebody. I've always mm. been a bit of a, a loner. I've composer <laughs> sitting there at my piano, creating my own music, and then I bring it to the band. And right. so this like back and forth, it's amazing what you can, you can, you can the ideas you can come up with sure so so and yeah. we, we also try to make them we want to simplify mm. uh, complex ideas because you know playing music and and jazz in particular it it's pretty complex i mean it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't have to be and it shouldn't be but right. some of the theory that's really exciting can be overwhelming at first so we want to try to break it down and make it you know digestible so yeah i there was another video in which you were talking about voicings you were talking to i think it was the one you guys did together and and you're emphasizing the thing that really struck me about it is you're emphasizing like to the student you know go learn these voicings and really learn them like and you gave all these great examples of like here you know take take your favorite tune and learn these three voicings and get really comfortable and then start playing like i thought it was brilliant the way you broke it down, <laughs> broke it down like that's like that's that's really awesome i've never heard anybody say that and it was i thought yeah. it was great well one of the things that i i find myself included uh, when i think back to being a um, a young student mm -hmm. you know a lot of people think that when you're learning voicings and learning to play chords and comping, accompanying in a, an ensemble, that you're just supposed to like know this stuff and be able to do it on the fly. <laughs> right. But it's complicated. <laughs> so, you know, I, I tell my students, like, write an etude, plan mm. it out. And the more that you practice that, it's going to become ingrained. It's kind of like a language. If you write out sentences and you practice them and you get really comfortable saying them, eventually they'll get into your vocabulary. Mm. So... So definitely that's the way I like to approach, at least that's what's worked for me. And maybe other like, people are all different the way they like to learn, but I've found really a lot of success with that. Like plan it out, learn <laughs> it. When you get bored, add more. <laughs> when did you start? So you started, I'm imagining you started on 
with like like in a classical vein, learning piano, not jazz. When did you? Is that right? Yeah, I I started learning um, you know traditional mm-hmm. piano lessons. Um, although you know my mom grew up learning classical in the RCM, uh, which is a I, again I don't know if you guys have that in the U.S., but RCM is like a you know tradition of piano study, classical mm-hmm. piano study in Canada, Royal Conservative Music, and yeah. she was really put off by by it because it was oh. so intense and so competitive and. So I think when I grew up, she didn't want me to do that. So I, I ended up taking lessons and it was very much like, you know, learning pop songs. And, you know, so I did some some classical pieces, but I very early went into like, here's the blues. Mm-hmm. <laughs> here's some pop songs. Here's some, you know, show tunes. And I think I think I came back to it a little later to sort of work on my technique. So mm-hmm. I, unlike a lot of pianists, I kind of, kind of, did a, a little different route, starting sure. with sort of, you know, really exploring and having fun with the piano and then coming back and getting more serious about technique. Mm-hmm. And you had, so Ross Taggart was one of your teachers in your early, early on for you, or like, early, you know, early-ish in here. Yeah, <laughs> Ross. Definitely, definitely influential for you. Oh, absolutely. I studied with Ross Taggart, who uh, was an amazing pianist and saxophonist in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I studied with him in, in college, and definitely his playing <laughs> influenced me a lot. Uh, I still uh, I still find myself playing Ross-isms um, <laughs> that, you know, that I, I stole from him way mm-hmm. back. But And he was just a lovely mentor. He was so supportive. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and I think that's so important when you're young and starting out to have those those people who who build you up and they yeah. they give you they give you the information in a really um, supportive way. Mm-hmm. So he was he was a huge influence on me for sure. That's, yeah, that's great to always have to have a mentor like that, someone that can really kind of shepherd you into this uh, into the next. The next level or the next phase, and um, so what? What about his teaching really impacted you? Well, I think first of all, his his personality. Just going into lessons, it was always just there was a, you know, he approached the music with such excitement, hmm. and I think you know, which is not always the case, surprisingly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, I think that first of all, but but also. You know, he would just show me beautiful voicings, you know, and range tunes and then play solos and I would steal ideas. And I, <laughs> it was very, um, you know, uh, very intuitive, I guess. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, just like watching him. Um, but I think really what, what struck me was his positivity mm. and, you know, the way there was, you know, music was, he's like a kid in a candy store <laughs> with music. <laughs> So that was really special. That's awesome. Yeah, you don't often find that in, you know, I the name of the podcast is the Playful Musician, and I, mm-hmm. th- it was, that's was something I like to focus on is that the playful aspect, not only in performing but in preparation, and that's awesome that you had a teacher who could, who was authentically that way, and and also modeled, modeled that for you, and I see that in your videos and in your performing there's a lot of playfulness and joy in what you do 
Totally. I, I love that. And it's so important because I think, you know, I think sometimes we, we approach like in the education systems, a lot of the time it's like about rigor and mm -hmm. working hard and, and it should, there should be more play. So I love that that's like your focus and, and I yeah. totally agree. And Jody at Music Arts, I mean, she's all about that too. So. Yeah. Yeah. How do you encourage that in your students? I mean, you're te you teach at Humber, right? Yeah. 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 So in your teaching at the college or even privately, how do you, how do you get, you know, draw that playfulness out of your students? Well, I think first and foremost, when I when I'm in class, I am just a ball of excitement. <laughs> so I think that first of all, I I think they feed off of that. I hope. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I also again I just try to approach it as you know here's this exciting thing, um, let's let's play around and make something with it instead of saying this is the way to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know. Uh, you know here's some examples, but how would you do it? And let's, you know, let's, let's not worry about making mistakes. Let's be playful. So I think I try to foster that, you know, that, uh, kind of thinking in my class. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's also just my energy and, and excitement <laughs> about the material too. I'm sure. Yeah. That's awesome. Your students are very fortunate to have someone so enthusiastic and, and playful. Um, <laughs> Because it's not, I think where I was going is it, we can be very serious or it can be jazz, especially there can be this seriousness to the education piece, mm -hmm. at least in the U S there's a lot of comp, there's a lot of festivals and competitions, you know, and a lot of prestige if you win those competitions and playing, you know, uh, at least in my experience, um, going to like the Reno Jazz Festival or, you know, going up to Idaho or wherever. And it's like, mm -hmm. you know, there was often a lot of pressure to, to be, to excel. And the instruction sometimes in, in university, like you said, the rigor, the, the joyful part, the playful part often took a, took a backseat. <laughs> Definitely. And, and it's interesting because I think that, uh, I, I actually went to, I, when you mentioned Idaho, the jazz festival, I, I went there as a teenager mm -hmm. and it, I remember going to these festivals and it was a, it was competitive and, yeah. you know, the people would win awards and I, I actually never won the awards. <laughs> so I would not feel good. Yeah. Of course, like anyone, you know, especially you at that age, you don't really, you know have any kind of you know bigger bigger thinking and point of view but um but I think over the years I I didn't feel good in that sort of environment of feeling like you know competing with other people and thinking about you know being so critical of things and I think there was a turning point where I I was exploring some new writing actually with my album words which came mm -hmm. which is my yeah. my uh my album from 2016. So it's my, I've done once, one since. And anyway, that, that music that I wrote, I was exploring something new was something more personal and, and something that I hadn't done before. And it was quite scary. And I really approached it as not, I didn't want to critique it. I wanted to just create and play like you're saying. 
And, you know, putting that out and then getting the reception that I did, it, it made me realize I need to do that all the time. Mm. Like, you know, all the other stuff, all this competitive, you know, that, that, you know, rigor that, you know, uh, it just doesn't work for me. Like I just make better music when I don't think about that. And that's what I, I think why I bring it to my teaching is that, is that, uh, you know, that feeling of, yeah, play and don't worry about these other things, even though they're part of our <laughs> scene and our culture, but yeah. they're not, they don't actually add to the music, I think. Right. It doesn't make your music better, too, I think. I mean, a healthy competition, yeah. I guess. I don't know, but <laughs> if that makes any sense. It does. It does. I always thought it was strange, like, how can musicians compete? Like, <laughs> it's like, it's not really a sport, like. You know, where yeah. you're running and someone has to get across the finish line. Even in online forums, like I just read something the other day where someone was like, oh, it was a video online of Michael Brecker playing with um, Jocko and Joni. And and they were like, you know, Michael Brecker is the best ever and nobody could ever. It was like this whole thing of like competition <laughs> and Somebody wrote in right away and was like, you know, music isn't a competition, dude. Like, it's just like everybody has their voice. Everybody can, there's room for everybody. You know, Brecker certainly wouldn't, wasn't competitive in that way. Like, he, if you ever met him, he was just like a really sweet, uh, humble dude. And I'm, you know, amazing, amazing musician. But it's just, I don't know, if it's something in the West or, maybe more so in the u.s but it's like there's this we're very competitive <laughs> seems um yeah no and it, it, you're right it is really bizarre to compare and you know say one musician is better than the other i mean how do you how do you put uh you know thelonious monk up against duke ellington or you know whoever right. like you can't they're yeah. they're both have amazing uh personal voices and you know so it, it is ridiculous in a yeah. lot of ways for sure and i think i don't think it's it's not good for our mental health for no. sure and for music making so yeah. i love this again that idea of, of play versus yeah. yeah to me it's yeah. like okay so you have a tulip and you have a rose like <laughs> which is more well they're both gorgeous like <laughs> they don't yeah. care like they're just sitting there being beautiful anyway absolutely so, yeah, you mentioned your album, Words, and I wanted to ask about Words and then your recent album, Earth Voices. Earth Voice? Am I saying that right? Earth Voices? Earth Voices. Earth Voices, yes. It is, sorry. yeah. <laughs> so, um, and I know you released Earth Voices this this year, right? I did, yes. How? First of all, how was that? How was that for you, releasing it, you know, still kind of in pandemic land? Right. Well, I had planned to release it earlier. Um, yep. And then the pandemic hit and I just, I put it off thinking, oh, maybe it will be over by <laughs> whatever date. And uh, because I wanted to, you know, uh, book some shows to be able yeah. to do a CD release, all the things that you do when you put out an album. And it was really disappointing at first to the idea of putting it out without being able to do those things because, you know, you put so much time and, and, and energy and money into yeah. these things and you want to be able to make the most of them. Um, but 
at a certain point, it didn't look like the pandemic was going to end. And I just like, let's put it out. And also I was seeing other people putting it out and, you know, music I kind of saw music as a, um, you know, as something that brought joy to people's lives. So it's yeah. like, okay, now is a good time to do it. So I, and it was great because I ended up spending quite a lot of time, you know, researching some online marketing and social media. And before that I'd actually been pretty bad with social media. <laughs> and so I ended up really working on that and it was really enriching and, mm. and great to connect with mm -hmm. like, I'd met so many wonderful new listeners through that, that for the online medium. And so, you know, it was great, uh, to put it out and, and, um, you know, even online. And so I'd still hope though, <laughs> I, I mean, I still plan, I will, yeah. um, be doing some shows and, and even though, even though it's been out for now six months, I'm, I'm still, I'm still gonna, it's going to be out for a while, if that yeah. makes sense. I'm going to, yeah, yeah. I'm going to tour it and, and make the most of it after this is all over. How did you decide on the release date for that? Well, um, we, again, I had planned to do it last October mm -hmm. and then uh, pushed it. And, uh, and of course, there's certain times of year that you don't want to put an album out unless it's maybe a Christmas album around Christmas. Right, um, yeah. And also people after the, the holidays, uh, you know, radio hosts getting, you know, getting the CD. So I think it made sense the end of January seemed like a good time mm -hmm. to put it out and um, didn't want to wait too much longer, too. So yeah. that was the thinking there. Right. Right. And how has your engagement in, in the online, like, did you have a plan ramping up to it and then seemed like you were releasing... A lot of like uh, clips or like sneak peeks on like YouTube, the uh, yep. teasers. <laughs> yep, for sure. I mean, we ended up doing a pre pre order campaign and releasing one of the tracks uh, mm -hmm. for for sale in in December. Actually, just oh, to awesome. kind of get the ball rolling and yep. get you know get some excitement and and uh, you know of course in this day and age you you know getting. Um, uh, what's it called on Spotify? Not pre-order, pre-saves, and all pre that, so that you you can get the most amount of you know engagement as possible. Yeah. So we did that, and and just I got into a habit of yeah releasing little sneak peeks and uh, talking about the album, and right. uh, yeah, it was it was actually really fun to put those together. I bet. I bet. Here's Amanda off her latest release, Earth Voices, released earlier this year. Here is the track Fini. to pass. 
I mean, they're connected, right? Words and earth voices. There's a there's a commonality there in the poetry and uh, somewhat thematically, I would say. Is that right? Is, Absolutely, I, yeah. 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 Well, and it's funny because the Words album, that was my first... Uh, prior to that, I'd released some albums just for like modern straight-ahead jazz, which mm-hmm. I love. Uh, lots of original compositions and instrumental. Mm-hmm. And this was my first opportunity working with uh, vocals and lyrics, which I was drawing from, uh, in the case of words, Canadian poetry, some wonderful Canadian artists here, and um, as well as my, some lyrics by my family members who are great mm. songwriters. And um, it was an experiment, really, and it, I just loved what came out of it. It was so amazing to take someone else's you know, piece of art experience that poem just the images that come to mind and the feeling that comes that you feel Mm -hmm. and um and try to sort of create melodies and harmonic landscapes that captured that poem that to me was just so exciting so i i that was my first opportunity words and um and it featured one vocalist amazing vocalist felicity williams Mm. and then my my core group with some a few string players as well Mm -hmm. and um and then just from touring that group, we ended up uh, developing new repertoire mm. uh, that became the repertoire for Earth Voices. And I wanted to make it a little different. I didn't want it just to be sort of another words album. So I, I ended up uh, hiring um, different voices for each track and uh, more special guests. And these are all people that since the, the release of words, I've been working with quite a lot at mm. least uh, uh, Emily Claire Barlow lovely jazz vocalist I've been working in her, her band since around the time I released words and um, Lydia Prasad another great vocalist and uh, some wonderful yeah. saxophonists and so yeah. um, it's an extension of words but it's different mm. totally different it has uh, I don't know a little bit more hopefulness uh, or mm. I don't know in a way it, but there are some. There are definitely certain uh, themes in the poems that I'm attracted to. Yeah. <laughs> Nature and, you know, actually as as negative as this sounds, death. But more in the feeling about, uh, you know, living life full, more fully is what I sort of feel mm. in those poems. But yeah. So some some serious topics, but also just just lovely imagery and. Yeah. Yeah. So. So. There's definitely a link. Yeah, both gorgeous and and unique on their own um in the uh what's the word i'm trying to look for they're just unique like the the tone i guess they have their unique tone both both those albums i'm curious with so you have these poems and did you how did that work did you sit down at the piano were you were you like singing were you hearing melodies in your head were you singing like how did how Take us through a little bit of that process. Mm-hmm. 
So I guess the, the first step is finding finding the poem. I, I was not a poetry buff before <laughs> words. I just was like, I, I feel like writing a melody to a poem. Let's mm-hmm. just find one. And I ended up just kind of searching out a poem online and, and, you know, just anything I had a reaction to and felt like might suit the vibe of the music that I write, which is, you know, kind of, I like modern sounds mm-hmm. and, and, um, I like moody music, <laughs> no, um, but, but I, and just certain images that came to mind, I, I gravitate towards those poems. So I, 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 you know, took the poem and I sat in front of my piano, like you're saying, and I just tried to come up with the feeling and like come up with a harmony part that captures the feeling. And so, for example, there's this poem by Marjorie Pickthall, Canadian poet from the 1800s, uh, and it's called Finney. And, mm. you know, uh, the first stanza, I think there's reference to an elm bough, like trees and nature. And I think, uh, it just seemed like a warm, sunny day. So it's like, hey, what does that sound like on the piano? Mm-hmm. You know, what kind of harmony? It's all major chord and this feeling of sort of this, you know, um, pastoral landscape, I guess. And, and then, you know, trying to come up with my opening phrase. So sitting with that opening po- uh, line of the poem and just trying to come up with a melody that I like and that mm-hmm. sounds good when I sing it. So yes, definitely lots of singing, even though I'm not a singer. <laughs> I'm a closet singer. <laughs> Um, shower singer. for sure. Yes, yes, totally. So uh, a little bit intuitive, like just sitting at the yeah. piano, improvising and then recording myself and then coming back and s- stretching those ideas and then eventually coming up with a basic form mm-hmm. and then fleshing that out further. So kind of building upon that, but definitely it, it stems from singing. Right. Uh, it always has for me though, composition. I've always approached melody like a singer and even playing the piano like a singer that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And it really is reflected in your playing. There's a, there's a lyric or a, uh, a vocal quality. I mean, this is a cliche thing that you hear say all the art jazz music say all the time, like your voice comes through and it's certainly true. I hear your, your voice coming through, not just your melodies, but your improvisation. So that totally makes sense that you're, you're singing that, or you know that's that's one of the starting that's one of the starting points um absolutely i was just going to say yeah. too that one of the things i tell my students all the time is if you can sing it you can play it because it is really when we're improvising you know we're just taking what we're hearing in our head and you know we are that's ideally that's what right. i feel like we should be doing is sort of trying to execute what we're hearing not letting our hands just do you know do whatever um so yeah, I definitely love that approach, and um, I think I think many of the the musicians that I love, they have that similar thing in their playing. Yeah, you know, Bill Evans. Oh yeah, or you know, <laughs> Rini Rosness was one of my heroes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, one of my early uh, so you know I'm a saxophonist, and one of my early influences was David Sanborn, and I always just felt like he was singing through his instrument. I'm totally. drawn to that, that quality in instrumental musicians as well. It's like, and, and that really does, that really does come through with your, with your writing and also, and with your playing. Um, did you then take those, those ideas 
to your band? Like, how to, or do you fully write out the arrangements? How do the arrangements get fleshed out before you go in the studio? Right. Well, when I did words, I just because of the deadline that I had created for myself, I ended up, you know, uh, really planning out every part mm-hmm. and, you know, with moments to improvise, of course, but it was fairly through composed and I just brought it to my band and we rehearsed it and then recorded it. Mm. So that was pretty fully formed. And then, you know, the tunes after that, some of them, sometimes I have sketches and I bring them into my band and I trust these musicians. So I just go, Hey, I don't know what this is going to sound like, but we're going to try it. And usually I, 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 they often will give me great feedback, mm. but also just even hearing real musicians, there's only so much you can do in like notation software <laughs> right. to hear things back. And, you know, so uh, totally. hearing them actually play and how it's being executed on their instruments definitely gives me a lot of, a lot of stuff to work with. Mm. So um, I often will record my rehearsals and listen back and go, okay, that didn't work. That worked. Oh, now I'm hearing this mm. and I'll build it from there. So, and also I think the, you know, for example, the material on earth voices, we'd played for quite a long time and mm. came up with great arrangements on the road. And then I kind of revamped them and added to them and, and brought in kind of a new approach to some of them. Um, so definitely to just answer your question, uh, a lot of it's planned out, mm-hmm. but definitely there's lots of working it out on the, on the bandstand and revising and, yeah. You know, again, I always tell my students, you know, no composition is ever really done. You can always like keep doing something new with it, right? Sure. So you're on the, how did those new, how did that new repertoire kind of come to life on the road? Were you coming up with ideas? Is your band coming up with ideas or is it a combination of those two? Mm -hmm. Well, I think that the tunes, I mean, I definitely wrote the tunes, um, sketches and charts and stuff for them to play. But I think that when you're on the road playing those tunes a lot, um, you end up like people will end up making sort of, you know, adding little improvised parts that almost become part of the song Mm -hmm. or you realize, Oh, that there's too many bars there. I need to fix that sometime. Or you just, you just get a sense of the natural flow of the song. So I think that's more what we sort of worked out was the, how does this naturally feel and, 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 you know, what is, uh, John, the bassist playing here and what's the groove. And, you know, mm. my drummer Morgan's always coming up with the grooves for the songs. Um, yeah. so, um, that kind of the fine details, I guess, mm-hmm. that make the music come alive right. is what we really work out on uh, when you're playing. Yeah. That's super cool. And you, you mentioned Feeney and that's, um, it's such a gorgeous arrangement, gorgeous song, and I love the how it begins with just that re- repetitive. I wanted to say ostinato, but it's not really. <laughs> oh no! Totally. That, totally. Um, Pedal point mm-hmm. and kind of an ostinato for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was just really. I don't know. There was something about that that was really stirring. Just the way that's that song begins, and I always, I often think a lot about like how how a tune begins (laughs) oh that's the setting of this that's like the the opening scene right right? it's like the yeah for sure did that little ostinato was did that come right away or did that come later or did were you hearing that pretty early in the in the creation of that song yeah that was pretty early um 
again, I think I was looking at the 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 poem. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny. And now that I'm putting this, if I could, I I, I want to like say what the lyrics are, but I'm having a mind blank. <laughs> Give me a few more days no to word. keep with a a little shoot okay there's there's this imagery about yeah that's so bad i have to sing it but i'm not going to sing it um to remember the lyrics not going to do that for you guys um so anyway lots of imagery of nature Mm -hmm. um and and so i you know i'm playing like a b flat major chord with an f on the bottom and it creates this sense of it's just a happy chord and a sense of like it's it's going somewhere but it's not there yet. It's just kind of, it's just hanging out. So I just, I came up with that part and then Im- improvised that first part of the melody mm. and then built it from there. Um, but that did come out actually pretty quickly. Awesome. <laughs> the hard part of that song though was doing something with it actually. So it's a pretty, like you said, an ostinato, like a repetitive figure. Um, and it was kind of hard to go away from it. So <laughs> especially because the poem itself is very, repetitive it's like three stanzas that are very similar form Mm -hmm. uh and so i had to get creative with the overarching form of that song Mm. so in order for it not to feel like it's not going anywhere if that makes sense so sure that was a that was a fun one to build (laughs) what did what how did you what did you employ any techniques to get get yourself out of that or did did you just start experimenting yeah for sure well there's definitely a few things that I, I tried. I, I, when I first came up with the opening sort of, uh, let's say the opening section of the song, the first stanza of the poem, um, it had a fairly regular phrase structure and I ended up, you know, doing that kind of three times and feeling repetitive. Mm -hmm. So what I did was I extended some of the phrases early on to keep, give more space Mm. in the first section. So there's longer phrases and more holds. Yeah. And then I, I, I started low, um, making the phrases shorter as it went along, which kind of mirrored the feeling in the poem, which was sort of this approach towards the end of life. Mm-hmm. And you know how life starts getting feeling shorter yeah. <laughs> as you grow older, yeah. time flies. <laughs> feeling that like time flies. So I kind of played with that yeah. idea and just slight little variations in the melody so that it didn't feel too repetitive. But then, you know, specifically I, I ended up writing a vocal solo and piano solo that we did together that gradually grew into sort of a, a, a last section where I reharmonized it. So right. I definitely played with phrase structure and reharmonizing, changing the harmony um, later on, which created a different mood at the end of the song. And that, that to me allowed it to feel like it was going somewhere yeah. <laughs> versus just, you know, repeating. Yeah. That was another cool thing about that piece was the, the doubling of the piano and the voice that so did you imp, did you improvise that solo first and then write it out or it sounds so improvised <clears throat> and then i'm listening well, to it and then i'm like oh she must have written this out because the vocalist is, <laughs> is doing the same thing yeah well first of all emily claire barlow i've been working with her for years mm-hmm. and one of the things that we do in her band is we double solos she'll write oh. out solos we actually do a kenny kirkland solo from um uh, La Belle, um, La Belle, I'm again blanking on <laughs> it. It's okay. a sting, uh, sting tune. Anyway, oh. amazing solo. Uh, like, br- gosh, bring, I'll look it up like after. Bring on the night, like from that, or is it not the live album? You know what? I'm totally having a mind That's blank, right. <laughs> but, um, 
yes, it's La Belle Sans Regret. Ah, oh, shoot. La I'm Belle butchering the title. Sans Regret. Yes, yeah. that's it. That's it. You got it. You got it. Oh. Thank you. Um, I'm having mind blanks today. Um, anyway, we do we do uh, like to do that in her band. And mm. when I asked her to, to sing this song, I thought, hey, wouldn't that be fun to do the same thing? So I ended up, when I, when I was um, writing it out, I was partly improvising, but then very much composing it and trying to make it feel like it's something that I would have, um, you know, mm-hmm. improvise, which is something I've done my entire life. I love composing solos, not to actually play them on records necessarily, but to learn about structure oh, right. and form and trying to build a solo, um, and, and some of the ways that you can, you connect phrases. So that's something I've always loved to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And that was, that was a really fun one because, um, you know, it stretched outside things I might naturally play. So that, that was really fun. And Getting her to sing it, she nailed it. Yeah. And it's not an easy solo. <laughs> it's not easy. That was impressive, so. for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Did she like look at you like, what did you just give me? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, no. <laughs> no, she she pretty much nailed it, mm. um, for sure. Is she's she's an amazing. Do you ever um, in preparation for recording your albums? Do you ever write up? Do you ever do that? Compose solos. Not that you're gonna necessarily play them in the recording session, mm-hmm. but do you ever do that just to kind of expand your ideas? Oh, for sure. I mean, I've, uh, like I mentioned, I've, I've done it since I started playing jazz mm. because it just at the, when I, you know, when I started, it was about, you know, I didn't want to improvise. I was too scared <laughs> to do it. So I wouldn't write my solos, but I've done that all my life. And I actually had some lessons with a great, uh, Phil Markowitz, great mm-hmm. pianist in New York. And he said, the best way to work on your line development and soloing is to write out solos. So, I mean, wow. he told me that, you know, when I, I'd been professional musician for years and I'm like, oh, okay, I'll keep doing that. Um, and so, yeah, definitely have, but I don't, um, I don't, I don't play them on the recordings, but yeah. sometimes what I'll do, if there's a particularly hard moment, I'll work out possibilities and, and, uh, or maybe how I might start the solo, mm-hmm. like the general idea, like for example, um, like in Feeney, uh, I start off with sort of the rhythm that I'm setting up with the piano comping. And that's like how I've always started my solo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there might be like little things I might, little provocations almost like I'm going to, maybe I'll do this and then I'll see where it goes. Right. That makes sense. That totally so. makes sense. It totally makes sense. And I, you know, I've, you just sparked an idea in me cause I, I have, um, I have a desire to play longer lines, like have, you know, longer phrases. And, and I was like, and now hearing you say that, I was like, oh, I should write some out and just practice. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I, I still do that. And I, it's so, uh, for me, I think it's the only way I ever really ingrain something is when I write it out and I, I mm-hmm. practice it as a composition mm-hmm. um, and then mess with it too. Like, right. I'm not going to only like, okay, I love this lick. <laughs> now, how can I manipulate it so that it becomes like, you know, part of my vocabulary yeah do you do much transcription or have you done a lot of transcribing absolutely um of course like like so many musicians sometimes doing the whole solo and really learning that and sometimes it's been shorter Mm -hmm. um things and sometimes it's been just listening and singing along Mm -hmm. and picking out oh i love that phrase Mm -hmm. i want to steal that little idea and make it my own so um i don't necessarily do full solos mm-hmm. 
Although there's, I mean, there's so much you can learn from a solo, hey? Like so many things, like it could just be, it's not just the lick right. or the phrasing. It's like the overarching form too when you when you do a full solo. So I guess, um, you know, I've done, looked at them from different perspectives and done different lengths. And Sure. Um, do, you, yeah. do you remember the first solo you transcribed? Yeah. Well, I think that early on, it was really hard. It's really hard transcribing, <laughs> right? So I think at the, that time it was short little phrases. And I do remember the first, the first idea transcribing, um, on Oscar Peterson, he's playing body and soul and, he, and there's this, this little minor E flat minor line. It took me hours. <laughs> <laughs> it took me so long, yeah. but man, it stuck with me though. Sure. <laughs> Right? That's ambitious, yeah. transcribing anything of Oscar Peterson. <laughs> well, this particular line was very melodic and like mm -hmm. not, uh, you know, not super virtuosic. Right. <laughs> so. And you're, um, I notice a lot, and uh, please don't take this the wrong way, but I notice you t t maybe lean towards uh, a lot of just right hand by itself improvisation which reminds mm -hmm. me of more like a red garland or, or, you know, not so many block chords, although I've seen you do like block chords and, and more stuff with the, with both hands. Does that ring true for you? Or is that just me only seeing a certain <laughs> number of your videos or? Um, no, I think you're probably correct. I, I think I probably on the whole mm -hmm. prioritize sort of like single note melodies. I think because again, like, singing kind mm -hmm. of thinking like a singer um but i do really love block chords too and and uh you know I, there are definitely sometimes when i'll go into that when i'm soloing too but yeah. uh maybe not so much on my rec records actually if mm -hmm. i'm thinking back i think because block chords so playing you know melody with harmonies harmonized chords is uh there's room for error <laughs> <laughs> when you're doing that i mean you can work out things but when you're improvising it's like oops right <laughs> which is great uh i actually really love that you know mistakes are great but yeah um but yeah no i and i think um i think also you know hearing like herbie sometimes will do that just right hand mm -hmm. or you know different musicians will just do that and then i love that sound too and i love like playing with with guitar players when they can comp for me mm. so i definitely love that kind of situation where i can just focus on the right hand. sure there's yeah. a great i'm sure you've heard it there's i'm trying to remember the miles recording where Red Garland's like he does this little intro. I think it's oh yeah. And Miles is like Red, yeah. Play some block chords. Yes, totally. Block chords, Red. That he does like it's just that always cracks me up when I think about. Is that Bye Bye Blackbird? I think it is. He does this like da 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 da, da like this really hip, super hip intro, and Miles whistles and is like, Red, play some block chords. <laughs> Okay, Rudy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Maybe, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Anyway. I love Red Garland and yeah, well, yeah, all that stuff. He's one of my favorites. Him and Wynton Kelly. I don't know. There's me too. <laughs> me too. Who who of the modern, like who are your um. Of the of the modern like guys who are around today, who who do you really? Hmm gravitate towards or listen to a piano piano wise well i mean i think that uh i love freddie rosness i mean she's one of my my first uh 
some of the first musicians that I listened to growing up. Mm -hmm. And she's also from BC, so she was a real hero and still is a hero. So I really love love her mm -hmm. playing and love her writing. She just released that beautiful album Artemis um, okay. with these, you know, these powerful, amazing musicians who also happen to be women. Yeah. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. And um, I love uh, Joey Calderazzo, oh, yeah. too. His stuff with Branford mm -hmm. and his, his trio recordings. Um, who else? I mean, uh, there's so many. <laughs> oh, there's so many. Um, right, yeah. So many. But also, I think um, a lot of musicians, I... I in my community too, mm -hmm. I feel very influenced by just the music happening around me. So uh, musicians like Dave Restivo, who's an amazing pianist and Canadian pianist, mm. um, and uh, Will Bonis, who's a, a lovely pianist from Manitoba. So I definitely find I, I get, you know, really influenced by my community for sure. Yeah, it feels like you, I mean, I've interviewed a lot of Canadian musicians, um, Thanks, Lila, for that. Yeah, yeah um, Lila. You guys, I'm very envious of the community that you all seem to have and the the camaraderie and respect and, um, yeah, it just seems like such such a warm group, a lovely group of people and, and amazingly talented. It is a pretty special scene for sure. I mean... It's interesting, too, because Canada, uh, I mean, like the U.S., yeah. is a big country, yeah. but um, it there's small pockets. Uh, you know, there's there. I think Toronto's probably, we'd probably say, is the biggest scene in Canada. Sure. There's also Montreal, amazing scene there, and Vancouver, amazing scene as well. And all across Canada, there's there's things happening. And But it's funny that we don't, we don't actually know a lot of people... Uh, like a lot of people in Toronto don't know some of the great musicians in Vancouver mm. um, and vice versa sometimes because it's just so expensive to travel yeah. the city, have to fly. There's not as many smaller towns. At least that's what I've heard from yeah. musicians who tour the U.S. You can you can do a tour and like hit a lot of different places because yeah. there's just more people, yeah. more scenes. So it's a little harder here. But still, um, I, I, you know, there's, there's certain musicians that have definitely like collaborated a lot with people around across like Lila's one of them she's like played with everybody in, in yeah. Canada and uh yeah so it, it, it is a beautiful scene and I think maybe because it is a little smaller than the U.S. um it just maybe feels a little bit more like you know um I don't know less competitive mm -hmm. I don't know yeah I don't know plus I feel like there's um and I've talked to you know other Canadian musicians about this. It feels from a, a U.S. perspective like it's the arts in general are just much more supported by can, the Canadian government and Canada in general than 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 the U.S. Right, actually, that's a good point. We do have a lot of funding here. Mm -hmm. um, which hopefully that will stay the the way it is. Yeah. But um, I guess that makes it a lot obviously a lot easier to sort of make art that without having to think about the commercial mm -hmm. aspect of things like how am I gonna you know sell this um right for sure so yeah maybe that is part of it that sort of we're funded so we don't have to compete as much <laughs> even though that's a competition itself but right, I don't know yeah how did, we're pretty pretty lucky it's pretty amazing yeah um hey I wanted to ask how 
how did you choose the vocalists for for Earth Voices? Mm. So I mentioned I'd worked with a, a few of them quite a bit, Felicity mm-hmm. Williams, Lydia Prasad, and Emily Claire Barlow. And the other vocalists um, I'd worked with a little bit, like Alex Samaras, um, and uh, the other ones I'd, I'd listen to their music. I love their music. Mm. Michelle Willis, who's in, in New York, mm-hmm. and she's worked with lots of great people, and um, and Robin Dan, who, who's a indie artist um, here. And I just love their their vo- their voices and their music, and so I knew I wanted to work with them. But really, what it came down to was thinking about the song, like who would serve this song, whose mm-hmm. voice would really suit it, the vibe of the song, and just even the melody that I wrote, um, who would yeah. bring that out. And so I I really brainstormed and tried to imagine their voices singing these songs, and I th- I I think it worked amazingly. I they really were perfect. Uh, it was even better than I had imagined. But it really came down to like in this particular melody, this song, this vibe, this. Mm dynamic that needs to happen whether it's like you know it needs to be a, a big energetic voice or a softer voice uh was the deciding factor yeah well it did a great job i think the pairing like there's it just seems so obvious <laughs> when you're listening to it like oh wow this is so well matched for the lyric the the um the lines the, the you know all of it it was really awesome well thank you Thank you. They're they're amazing. I just love all of these artists. I really, uh, just my dream, my dream team. <laughs> right. Yeah. Here's another cut off of Earth Voices featuring another playful musician, Lila Bialy. This one's called Oh Life. Oh 
are you cooking up a new, like what you're creatively uh, writing wise? Are are you already thinking about the next recording? Are you are you composing, or do you just compose regularly? Is that just part of your daily or or ongoing routine? Well. I, I've definitely tried to make composing every day a thing. It's harder, <laughs> it's hard to do because I find what I, I go through um, periods where I'll, I'll really write and then periods where I'm like, okay, I better practice for this thing happening. And, and so sometimes I have to shift between those two, like I'm working on piano, I'm working on uh, composing. Um, or there's a, I have to give myself a deadline. <laughs> mm. So I, I wish that I could say every day I do this. And I think if I had a, you know, maybe at some point that's something I'd love to be able to do if I have more of um, a regular schedule. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, that uh, for me, it's like focused energy. I, I have a deadline. So uh, which and sometimes uh, I think like many people, you have to have that deadline or it won't yeah. <laughs> it's sometimes like really get done because there's always so much perfectionist, you know, things <laughs> you can do. And there's always something you can do. Right. Yeah. So uh, I haven't made a decision about what I want to do, but I have several projects that I'm really uh, would love to do. Mm. One of them being. Uh, I'd really love to work with my my soon-to-be father-in-law, who's an amazing jazz pianist mm. as well. Actually, I mean, he's like one of Canada's like uh, like just an incredible pianist, and he's an accordionist. Mm -hmm. And so, What's his name? I really would love to, uh, Tom Sesniak. Okay. Yes, what? Tom Sesniak. Um, awesome. And um, yeah, he's he's brilliant, and I'd I'd really love to do something with him. Mm. Um, so that's definitely something that I, whether it's a duo thing or maybe a, a project that, you know. We um, maybe I can have him on accordion. Yeah, so something fun. with with him would be great. Yeah. I also have some projects with my. I mentioned Jody Prosnick from my uh, my co artistic director at Music Arts Collective. Mm. Um, we want to do some projects. Um, I, sh I shouldn't say too much about them because they're not sure. really you know out there yeah, yet. Yeah. But we have some fun projects. Um, and I also have some writing projects again with with poetry. I'm not done with poetry yet. Um, I wanted to uh, explore the poetry of Marjorie Pickthall, who's a Canadian poet I mentioned earlier. Mm. She wrote Feeney, actually. Mm. And I just love that. I, I love her work and want to explore more of it. And uh, so I have a, um, a, a project that I'm going to be writing music for all of her, uh, not all of her poems, but like some some of her work, all of uh, yeah. uh, all Marjorie Pickthall. Very so, cool. Yeah. Do you find it yeah. challenging, like you're an educator, you're a composer, you're a performer, and you operate at a high level on all three of those. Do you do you do you find it challenging to move between those different things, or is it pretty natural for you? I think it's pretty natural. I I mean, I mentioned earlier that for me, teaching is kind of like composing, mm -hmm. um, you know, in a lot of ways. And I feel like I more deeply engage with the topic when I teach it. Mm -hmm. So maybe I see a different perspective too. A student will be like, Hey, check this out. I've been listening to this. Oh, that's cool. And I might, you know, steal that. Um, so for me, it's, it's, it enriches yeah. everything I do yeah. and vice versa, obviously. Uh, so, uh, the only thing that's hard is the time commitment mm. for all those things. You know, I, I, I mentioned, I have to sort of focus on one thing you know, if I have a, pro a de project deadline, it's like, okay, well this week I'm not getting much practice in cause I got to prepare for this you know, yeah. this workshop or vice versa. So it's just time management. But for me, I really love that about this career is that, you know, I'm not just doing one thing. Mm. 
I, I have many, many interests and kind of, you know, really explore all of them. Um, and I'm also, I, (laughs) I'm a workaholic. (laughs) I just really love, I love all this. So I just, you know, I just, yeah. What are you working on at the piano right now? Are there things, do you keep like a running list or like when you're practicing now, or maybe even over, maybe this last year is a better example because I'm a guessing that like a lot of musicians, you, you're practicing for an event or you've got a recording or you've got a tour or whatever. But when you're not doing that, are there things that you're like, I want to, you know, I want to get better at X. And then how does, mm-hmm. how do you structure your practice? I guess those mm. are two separate questions. <laughs> no, for sure. For sure. Well, I do find that a lot of the time these days, it's practicing for something. Mm-hmm. I just don't have as much time as I did when I was, you know, in college, yeah. even though at that time I'm like, I can't wait for college to end. <laughs> I'm going to have so much time to practice. But no. Um, so I think that, you know, I definitely, I end up practicing for for gigs and and it's kind of a luxury when I have time to actually practice just to practice. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I so I think f- for me some of the go tos that I, I go back to, especially if I am feeling you know maybe I've been a bit busy and I'm feeling a bit rusty is is just te- basic technique. You can never you know mm-hmm. you can always get better at uh, the basics. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, for me, I really, I do love Hannon exercises, the classical piano mm. exercises. And I just, apparently Oscar Peterson played those in every, all keys every day. Wow. Um, I don't know if that's right, true. Standing on I his think head. I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just basic technique, um, and just, you know, time, uh, you know, throwing on, uh, you know, like, like any musician throwing on a metronome and just working on getting more in the pocket, mm-hmm. Um, even with something that I know well, just, there's always some way you can really, um, get better at those basics. Um, and I think, you know, repertoire, learning tunes, Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and, and I, you know, melodic ideas. So one of the things I love to do when I'm working on that, for example, is take a little, a little cell of an idea and, um, practice motivic variations so that I can use that idea in many, many ways and then applying it to a song. So I guess the one thing I will just say is that anytime I'm practicing for practice sake, it's like, I, I, I like to practice an exercise and always make, make sure I apply it to a song. So I'm never just practicing a thing and expecting it to get into my playing. I'm always going, okay, I'm going to use this little idea in autumn leaves Mm -hmm. in this section. And I'm going to, you know, mess around with that so that I'm not, uh, you always have to be applying. Yeah. I guess is what I'm trying yeah. to say. So, um, so I don't know if that answers no, your it, question. It um, does. I'm curious. <laughs> I want to touch on two things that you mentioned. One was t- tune learning. And I want to ask how you, how you learn a new tune or a new standard. Um, when, you know, what's mm-hmm. your approach when you're going to learn a new, new tone, new song? Absolutely. Well, I think the first step is that I find vocal versions. I try my best to do some research to find an, uh, as original a version as I can. So like if the song's from a movie mm-hmm. or a musical, I actually try to find a version from that mu- movie or musical or a version by someone like Chet Baker or Nat, Nat Cole mm-hmm. because, or, uh, you know, Fred Astaire again, who maybe from the movies, right. um, 
so that I, I find a, a, a less embellished version of the song for the most mm-hmm. part. And then I, I look at the lyrics, I try singing it uh, to really get inside the, the, you know, how to phrase the melody. That's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and also help, it helps me remember things too, even though I don't remember lyrics. <laughs> when I learn the, when I sing and learn the tune, I remember that melody. Sure. Um, so that's, that's kind of step one for me is really get the melody. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, learning the, the bare bones harmony. So I like to just get the basic structure, like what, what are the main chords? And then, mm-hmm. you know, uh, what are some other possibilities that might come up when I'm playing with other people? Mm-hmm. Oh, they might put a two five here or in this, you know, checking out other versions throughout history. Oh, Miles Davis does this. This is what people tend to play. I better know that. So I try to try to do as much research to figure out melodic and, and harmonic possibilities. Mm-hmm. And then just, you know, learning the baseline, you know, the ba- the roots of the chord, mm-hmm. getting the structure down, analyzing it because I'm a I'm a nerd and I love <laughs> I love theory and I'm you know structure. Mm. Um, but yeah, for me, it's about it's re- not just not just learning it from one recording, but really doing a you know research to to really get inside that tune. Mm-hmm. Will you learn it in more than one key? Yeah, you know what? I I have absolutely. Um I I don't always mm-hmm. do that because it it can be time yeah. consuming and which which is and it's a great exercise, of right. course. But um you know, I'll often figure out the keys that people tend to play them in. Not that that's always I mean, sure. sometimes I play with vocalists and they'll call it in the key. I'm like, "Oops, I, <laughs> I should should have practiced in all 12 keys." Um but I think that after a certain amount of doing that, you do get kind of more comfortable. You kind of are able to do it a lot easier mm-hmm. on the fly, certain songs. Um, yeah. You know, so. Because you know the structure. Uh, but definitely. You know. Yeah. And you just, you know, these common chord progressions, you played them so many times. And then once you do it a certain number of times, you do get more comfortable with that. Mm. Although I do remember not too long ago playing a, one, a gig with a wonderful pianist and bassist here, Richard Whiteman, and he called Girl from Ipanema mm-hmm. <laughs> in like a, a half step below the original, oh, wow. like the common key, which you'd think would be easy to process. But I remember being like, oh, I've never practiced this tune in all 12 keys. It's kind of an unusual progression. And I was like, oops, I better practice this. Right. So there you go. Have you ever had the experience of like having to play a tune or got, like, probably more at a jam session where someone calls a tune you don't know and you don't have the lead sheet and you just have to <laughs> learn it right then, like pick up the chords from the bass player or something like that. Absolutely. I mentioned Richard Whiteman. <laughs> <laughs> he likes to do that. Um, he's amazing. Mm. He knows every tune in the, in the, in the book. Um, yeah, he definitely, he'll call a tune I've never even heard before. And he's like, you'll hear it. <laughs> and I... <laughs> <laughs> and what I usually do, I mean, in, in that band, often there's a guitarist, yeah. so that's, I'm really lucky I can kind of listen for the chords. Yeah. And, and sometimes, every so often, I, I, don't, I don't get a spot and I just don't play yeah. for that yeah. moment. I just, I, I'm deciding to leave space. Right. Um, Creative space. That's a, it's a great exercise, though, for anyone listening who's a student. Like, that's a great exercise just to try to, on, this, on, the, on the bandstand, just try to yeah. do it, too. I mean, I think it's... I think it's uh, maybe not, but I feel like it's easier for a sax player or a single note player because it's like, oh, I can, I have a pretty good ear and I can pick up melodies pretty quickly. And I know so many 
having listened so much to so many jazz scenes, I know a lot of melodies, but I don't always mm-hmm. know the chord progression. So if someone calls something on the bandstand, I'm like, sure, just start playing it. <laughs> I'll, I'll catch up <laughs> at some point. Oh, totally. At some point. Yeah, I think that um, it's funny because like, I find... Um, I, I mean, I guess because the majority of what I do as a piano player is play chords. I'm always accompanying. Right. And obviously, when you when you really know a tune, you got to know the melody, even if you're not the melody instrument, you know, on the gig. But uh, I actually find it more stressful to play a melody I don't know, because mm. that's the thing people know. Right. And if I mess it up, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but the chords, I can go, oh, no, that was that was not a D minor. Oh, D7. Right. You know, you can kind of adjust. Um uh, so yeah, I guess it's whatever you're used to. All right. All right. <laughs> what are you um what are you listening to these days? What do you listen first of all, do you listen to much music outside of things that you're working on? And if so, like what what do you listen to? Hmm. Yeah, well, um I think well lately I I've just I really love, I think again, this this is, you know, this makes sense because I just released this album with singers. I've been definitely super influenced by um, Becca Stevens. Mm. I love, I love her mm-hmm. work. Um, and uh, I, I always mess up her name, Afi or Ify, mm. Adonovan. Okay. She's a wonderful bluegrass um, singer. Um, and then I honestly, I've been listening to a lot of my friends albums again my community i just i i love checking out my my supporting my fellow musicians and i love the composers here and the 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 players yeah. so people like allison yeah. al and christine jensen um and lila yeah. <laughs> um but i do find actually a lot a lot of time these days um i i do find the majority of my listening is is for learning mm-hmm. something or for bringing into my students too. So, um, yeah, always, always listening for sure. And trying to branch out, (laughs) checking out other music, especially when I'm thinking about my students, like how can I show them all this really interesting stuff Mm -hmm. that, you know, that is in all these other musics like hip hop and, you know, so. Right. And where, um, where, where do you draw inspiration from? Where, where do you find, a lot of your inspiration for for composing for performing anything mm. yeah well i mean i think first and foremost it, it i'll just say it i mean it feels so meaningful mm. to, to compose music to create something so that in itself is is inspiration mm. um but you know, also I think having something to write for is is huge for me. Um, you know, whether it's a, a performance coming up, oh, I want to, you know, or a group that is forming. Oh, I want to write something for this group. Mm-hmm. But I think that also, again, I'm going to say my community yeah. again, yeah. Um, for sure. Like just seeing the amazing music being created and and knowing these these uh, wonderful players and writers, that to me is huge inspiration. Um, yeah. So that's so uh, awesome. Yeah, for sure. And when you're when you're um, 
composing or arranging or even practicing, what what are your like essential tools you must have in, at the piano or with you when you're when you're creating mm. or practicing? Absolutely. Well, I'll start with uh, with a cup of coffee. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> a coffee fiend. Um, Love it. Or tea, at mm. least. Um, and I think for me, I really do love having like a, a journal oh, okay. to, to keep track of things. So if I'm practicing um, to to make sure I have that, you know, uh, I'm keeping track of things. When I'm writing, these days I am starting to use logic. I'm a little slow to the game using, a, um, you know, software. Mm -hmm. But I'm, I am using that instead of just doing voice memos like I used to do and, you know, playing, playing things. That's been really helpful for mm -hmm. writing, just hearing things back and exploring possibilities, but also, um, uh, my iPad for sure. I use, I sketch ideas. I have a program to notate music, oh. not notate music, but just be able to write on my iPad and sketch out ideas. That's huge when I'm writing because I don't like to notate things out in software or even on manuscript necessarily until I really have a, a, a concrete idea or structure. So I love sketching and using this, uh, this program called Good Notes. Good Notes. It's, uh, it's, a, it's huge for me. Good oh. Notes. And you use that with the uh, Apple pen or Apple pencil or whatever. Uh, yeah, totally. And I love it because too you can, I mean, uh, you know, obviously you see use paper, but now it's just so easy to track things and organize things. So I really love the iPad. So that's a huge tool nice. for me. Nice. And when you were saying this, I'm just remembering the other thing I wanted to ask was. You were talking about practicing and, and working on feel and time. Mm. Can you give me an example of, of how you would do that in a practice session? Yeah. Well, um, I think for for me, it's, it's uh, I mean, obviously using the metronome in different ways. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, if you're working on a, you know, swing feel or whatever, you can, you can, place the metronome on different beats. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I think for me, I love to put on subdivisions so that I'm really fully uh, feeling the beat. So for example, even if you have a basic metronome, if you are playing a slow kind of swing feel or a blues or something, you can throw it, throw it on so if you're feeling the triplet. Mm -hmm. So rather than just going one, two, three, four, you can go and then uh, that helps me really feel, especially those slow tempos. Mm -hmm. So that's always something I like to work on is um, the subdivisions and feeling um, different polyrhythms. Mm -hmm. um, and then playing along with records, mm -hmm. for sure. I mean, because you, you get all of that naturally uh, by playing along with records. Um, and just making sure that when I even recording myself to see how I'm really placing things. Mm -hmm. So even literally playing quarter notes, yeah. <laughs> how can I make those how can I deepen, you know, how I'm feeling those like a bass player works on yeah. so often. Yeah. Right. So simple things really, but that's, uh, those are some things that I, I think about and work on. So when you're playing with the recording, are you comping? Are you improvising? You doing both? Um, yeah, doing both or, I mean, sometimes you're obviously, you might transcribe some ideas and, and be playing along, but I love comping, especially if there's, you know, um, you know, no, no uh, comping instrument or no, p no piano sure. specifically. Um, but definitely comping, um, and just improvising along as well. 
Um, but also just deep listening mm. too. Hey, like that just, you know, uh, I, Jody and I are big, big about movement. <laughs> I think oftentimes, especially as pianists, you're sort of taught, you know, economy of motion, which makes sense. Yeah. You don't want to be moving all around and, you know, awkward positions. But at the same time, I think we feel rhythm more when we move. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, it's science, there's science backing yeah. that up. <laughs> you feel better time when you move. Um, so for me, I, when I'm listening, I'm, I'm moving and I'm thinking, and I'm almost saying rhythms mm -hmm. out loud, uh, if that makes any sense, <laughs> feeling the subdivisions, as I mentioned earlier. So even just deep, deep listening. Right. That's great. And then this journal or notebook that you have next to you, what do you, what are you writing in there? Um, just ideas or, mm -hmm. or notes to yourself or like, oh, I need to work on this or what goes in that, that notebook? Yeah. Well, I've, I've done different things over the years. Sometimes I've tried to be extremely structured about practice. Uh, you know, I'll have a category for technique mm -hmm. and category for voicings and, you know, learn, tune learning. Yeah. And I found that after a while, I was just, I was not able to fill all of those. <laughs> right. <laughs> you just can't do everything. Really? So, uh, yeah, right? Um so I think I just make sure I'm tracking what I worked on and then I'm working on very specific mm. things. I'm not, I'm not trying to do too yeah. much because we, we just yeah. can't actually really learn when we're doing too much. So I just track and I maybe make notes about, you know, okay, this is the tempo I got up to still doesn't feel comfortable or mm. whatever, you know, just notes to myself about how I can improve and, and then making sure I'm going back and coming back to those things, especially if I'm in a period where I'm busy, oh, I might not come back to that thing for, a little bit yeah and then I want to make sure that I I return to it awesome uh, Amanda where what what do you have coming up um, do you have performances coming up this year um, any any big things on the horizon that that uh, our listeners should know about yeah well um, since things are starting to, uh, to open up and I think people are starting to, to book gigs. Um, I know down, it seems like the U S you guys are so ahead of us. Uh, but, um, so I, I am going to be getting back to doing that. So at the moment, my, my next performances are jazz festivals next year, <laughs> June okay. next year, actually. So it's a it ways away. I'll be doing some, some jazz festivals in Canada and, um, that, but I think the the next thing we'll be doing some dates in f next February. I know it seems so long long away, but when you're booking yeah, it's gigs, only six seven to... months. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's only that. Yeah. Um, so I'll be doing some performances with um, a great band, um, a great uh, clarinetist Virginia McDonald mm. and a vocalist um, uh, Laura Anglad and uh, Jody Prosnick. Yeah. Um, so we'll be doing some West Coast things. So anyone who's close to Vancouver, BC, will be playing there. Um, and uh, awesome. And uh, we'll be also be doing some workshops with Music Arts Collective. We'll be announcing that uh, probably in the next couple of months. So that'll be in the fall. So nothing immediate. Mm. It's kind of yeah. slow. COVID. <laughs> right. <laughs> but lots yeah. to come. What did you over this last twelve months? Is there anything that you discovered about yourself that was surprising or uh, kind of a revelation of this? like this this isolation time or this you know this change that we've been in for the last 12 months oh man so many things i mean not to be too personal but i i think like i grew up extremely shy and like very 
you know, we all have self-confidence yeah. issues yep. we have to work through. But I think this year specifically, my, my work with music arts and it being so, you know, public facing, mm. <laughs> um, it was, it was, um, and, and, and not just to my community who I know, but like, you know, the world and using social media and putting yourself out there. That was actually really huge for me, even though I've been doing this for many years, just doing it on, just doing it on the more of a worldwide yeah. <laughs> level was really scary actually. Mm. Um, and I feel like I grew a lot, a lot of confidence, even in the short time. So that that's one huge thing, um, you know, and, um, and also this feeling that, you know, when, that I can adapt. Mm. So I was a Luddite before COVID <laughs> and now I'm like all over like these tech tools right. and, and this, this can do attitude, nice. you know, cause the beginning of COVID having everything, you know, closed down yeah. and lost everything that I'd worked on and having to go, okay, well, what can I do? And just doing yeah. it. So that was pretty huge mm. for me that, that just a confidence booster in a lot of ways. That's awesome. For sure. That's great. Where can people learn more about Amanda? What's a good place for them to go? Yeah. Well, my website mm -hmm. <laughs> would be good. So amandatosoff.com. Um, and also musicartscollective.com, which is the music education hub I keep mentioning. Mm -hmm. um, there's lots of information there and stuff to check out and videos. And, and are you on social media? And, uh, records. I am, yes. Manitosaf Music on Instagram and face, Facebook. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you have, you have a YouTube channel too, yes? Yes, I do. I do. I... I I'm planning on having some new videos in the next little while once things are opening up and I can record with my my band. So yeah, stay tuned for some some fun. Yeah, videos I look forward to it. Up. Your videos are really great, especially the edu the educational ones. I've I've personally gotten a lot out of. So I appreciate Amazing. your offering. Well, thank you. No TikTok yet, huh? <laughs> No, but uh, my my friend Emily Claire Barlow, amazing vocalist, I keep mentioning. She's <laughs> recently been exploring TikTok, doing duets with like Jacob Collier and oh, all the wow. <laughs> different people. Well, like the uh, I guess I guess that's what TikTok. I'm a, I'm a yeah. Luddite. I haven't really checked out TikTok, yeah. but it seems like it, there's some fun opportunities sure. there. But I don't know. <laughs> I should probably practice rather than <laughs> practice more than than do TikTok. Yeah. But I don't know. Awesome. Hey, Amanda, thank you so much for being here. It's been a real pleasure to have you and get to know you. And um, I'm, I'm really grateful for our time together. Likewise. Well, thank you so much for, for having me and uh, such a pleasure chatting with you too. Hey, everyone. Just a couple of things before you head on your way. First of all, thanks again for listening so appreciate you as an audience and if you enjoy the show please tell a friend it's a goal of mine to grow the audience and get the exposure these musicians deserve so please tell somebody point them to the website point them to apple podcasts or spotify i'd love to grow the audience and give these artists the attention they so deserve speaking of the website head on over there theplayfulmusician.com you can hear all past shows and see show notes from this show as well as all the other shows. I hope you're enjoying this summer. Things are starting to heat up and we've got a great lineup on the way for the next few months. So stick around and 
leave a review if you if you're enjoying the show it'd be great to get more reviews up on apple podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts okay everybody take good care and we'll see you real soon